so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. I'm going to pray for this morning for a few things. I'm going to pray for those that are not with us this morning for whatever reason, whether they're traveling, whether they're ill, whether they did not want to brave the smoke this morning. I want to pray for those who are not with us this morning. I want to pray for those who will capture this message that aren't here this morning and for us as well as we come to God's word that we'd be shaped by it and transformed by it. Um, so I encourage you to pray with me as, uh, as we begin this morning. And so, Father, uh, I do pray for those of our church family who aren't here, uh, whether that be through illness, uh, through traveling, um, or through uh, just not wanting to, to get out in the smoke this morning. Father, I pray that you would watch over the health of those who are ill or smoke-affected. We pray that you would bring healing upon them that they'd be restored to health, especially in this season, Lord. We pray for healing on all those who are sick. And Father, we pray uh, for those who are traveling, those members of our church family who are traveling uh, this uh, weekend and, and over the Christmas period, we pray that you would keep them safe, that you would protect them and watch over them. Uh, we pray for uh, 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 alertness as they drive and, and uh, not just enduring the travel, but that they enjoy uh, their, their holidays in this season, Father. Yeah, and Father, for those, uh, not just of our church family, Lord, but for those who are affected by uh, the smoke uh, this morning, Father, we do pray that you would watch over their health, um, that you would, um, yeah, you would just guard all those across our country, with, especially with respiratory issues um, from being impacted by this smoke, Lord. And, and ultimately, we pray that you would put an end to the smoke. Uh, that you'd pour out uh, rain from the heavens, that um, not just the fires would be put out, but that the drought would be over, Father. And that, um, yeah, so we pray, Father, for rain, as is our prayer focus this month as a church. We pray that you would pour out replenishing, refreshing rain. That underground water supplies would be filled up, that water reservoirs would be filled up. Lord, that you would just not just kind of green up the surface, but that you would completely refresh the land with rain. And may it be so, Father. And Lord, as we come to your word this morning, we pray for ourselves and we pray for those who, who will listen to this message at a later time, Father. We pray that uh, especially in this season of, of Christmas where we turn to the story of the birth of Jesus, we pray that familiarity with this story or what we think might be this story, would not breed contempt or apathy towards it, Father. And so I pray above all else this morning that we would see the glory and the majesty of what is the incarnation of the Word becoming flesh of, of Jesus, the Word from the beginning, one with God becoming human, that we might be saved. And so, Father, I pray that we'd all be impacted by your Word this morning that we'd be refreshed by it, we'd be renewed by it, we'd be transformed by it. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this morning I'm going to talk about glory in the ordinary. Um, and so if there's someone next to you, we're a bit spread out this morning, we're a bit thin, and so some of you don't have someone next to you, you've got to leave past, I'm not going to make you run around the room, but I want you to turn to someone next to you and tell them to see glory in the ordinary. So turn, I'll give you a second, look around you, 
tell people to say, today I want you to see glory in the ordinary. Okay, so this morning I want to talk about glory in the ordinary. Because this season is upon us like the smoke that inhabits the atmosphere now. It's descended upon us and for some of us uh, that's you know, an exciting time. You've been counting down the 11 months until you can reveal your Christmas joy to the world. For some of us, it's, we've been counting down the months until oh, it's just, it's, uh, you get to that point where you get beyond not just having a free weekend left. You're like, there is no night between now and February that I can just sit down and watch TV. Um, and so reality is this season is a mix of both. It's a mix of excitement and parties and delicious food. It's not a great season if you're a turkey, but if you like eating turkey, it's a wonderful time of year. But it's also a busy time of year. And for those who have lost loved ones, it's also a time of year where we enter in it and we remember that they're missing from this season. Uh, for those who are, who are not in a space of life where they might like to be, it's also a, a difficult season as we uh, experience one of what's meant to be a joyful time of year without those that we might like to enjoy it with or, or without uh, certain things. And so when we talk about glory in the ordinary, I've used this word ordinary because depending on how we say it, it can mean a whole bunch of different things. If I ask you, how was your week? And you say, oh, it was ordinary. You just mean it was a normal week. It's, it's maybe a little bit mundane. Ordinary is just, it's just normal. It's mundane. It's, it's, it's ordinary. If I say, you know, how was your week? You go, oh, it was a bit ordinary. That kind of means it's, it's not so good. It was kind of a little bit normal, kind of a, a, a little bit mundane, but, but didn't go so well either. It was a bit ordinary. If I ask you how your week was and you say, to be honest, it was pretty ordinary, well, that's even worse than a bit ordinary. It's, it's, that's bad. If you're saying your week was pretty ordinary, you're saying you've had a bad week. And so this Christmas season, and in fact, life in general, Christmas is uh, like every other uh, time of year except for more so. Um, where it brings all of the normalness of life, the ordinariness of life, into um, a heightened level. And so I want to talk this morning as we enter more so in the Christmas season. Last week we could kind of pretend it wasn't December yet. It was only the 1st of December. Um, We could kind of hold it off a little bit out there. But this week it's the 8th of December. Denial is out the door. We are into the fullness of joy that is Christmas. And so this week, I I want to talk about seeing glory in the ordinary, whether that ordinary is the normal and the mundane, the work-a-day week or the looking-for-a-job-day week or or the the clean-the-house week or the look-after-the-children week, just the the normal things of life. I, I want to talk about seeing glory in them. I also want to talk about seeing glory in the a bit ordinary times. When the kids have been a bit feral because they've had too much sugar. When it's just a bit ordinary. I also want to talk about seeing glory in the pretty ordinary. The bad things, the uncomfortable things, the, the difficult things that can come to the surface at this time of year as we 
both celebrate the birth of Jesus, but also remember who we might have lost as family members or what might not be as we would have it. Glory in the ordinary. And so I thank Jill for reading this morning and completely understandable um, that uh, you were not um, ready and raring to go, but boom, straight there as soon as your name was called and you were uh, eager to read God's word. And I know Jill's a woman who just is passionate for God's word. And so an opportunity to read it wouldn't be missed, even though uh, communication lines were not as effective as possible. And so thank you for that testimony of love for God's word, Jill. But as the part of the birth of Jesus that Jill read from Luke, in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 and 7, it's, it's, it reads as an ordinary story of an ordinary birth. It was ordinary. In the first uh, three verses, it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place other, uh, while uh, Canarius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. Now, we might read that and be a bit blah, 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 blah. Why is Luke telling us this? Well, Luke's aim was to provide an orderly account of the birth, life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And so he's placing Jesus in history. Because of this, we know roughly when Jesus was born in history. But what what I want to grab this morning from that is that Jesus was born into this ordinary world. We can track when this happened. And, and the reason I say that is, you know, we've got some uh, Lord of the Rings fans amongst us. We've got some fantasy novel uh, fans amongst us, some Harry Potter fans amongst us. Some of them might have already left into the side rooms. But, but what's important about these fantasy novels is what they call world building. What's so great about a good fantasy novel is not just the storyline itself, but the world that gets built around it. Because it's not this world that they're talking about. Last time I checked, there were no dragons. At least not for a while. But what's so significant about this story of Jesus is there's no world building that takes place except for in the beginning there was God and God created the heavens and the earth. He's talking about this ordinary, yes, extraordinary and beautiful planet, but the ordinary planet that we live on. That's where Jesus was born into into history. This isn't a fantasy. He's born into the ordinary. It's not a galaxy far, far away. It's this one. And then it goes on. So that was, that's the ordinary. And then it goes on. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. That's more than 150 kilometers. To Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them. 
And so this story isn't just ordinary. It's, it's just the, the ordinary birth story. There, there's a man and a woman. They're placed to be married. Uh, the woman's pregnant. They go on a Christmas trip, um, the first ever Christmas trip, uh, weekend away, uh, back at the hometown, um, prefiguring all of the travel that we would ever do uh, around Christmas time. And so it's just an ordinary story. And you might think, but, but there was angels before this. And yes, we have read Luke 1, 26 to 38, in which it says, in the sixth month that's of Elizabeth's pregnancy with the, John the Baptist, it says, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered, What kind of greeting is this? But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her six months, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. And we know from Matthew's gospel that, that uh, Joseph had a little freak out when he found out that Mary was pregnant because he knew that baby was not his. But he also had an angel appear to him and say, It's all good. This baby's mine. Take Mary home to be your wife. And so Joseph and Mary know that there's something a little bit extra about this baby. They know that this is not just an ordinary child that is about to be born, but nobody else does. No one else had read Luke chapter 1 because it hadn't been written yet until after Jesus' death and resurrection. And so this, this account in Luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 7, this is like the story through everybody else's eyes. It's ordinary. It's not just ordinary, it's, it's a bit ordinary. How many of you uh, beautiful women who've given birth to a child loves going on a long trip whilst pregnant? <laughs> it's a bit ordinary. And that's in a car with modern suspension and, and they either walked or Mary, um, if, if any of the... the uh, artwork is to be believed, may have had the opportunity of riding upon a donkey. Um, I still think that's probably a bit ordinary when you're pregnant. I'm sure Mary might have said along the way, gee, this is a bit ordinary. And then they get to Jerusalem, uh, sorry, not yet Jerusalem, they get to Bethlehem and things go from ordinary, they've, they've skipped past a bit ordinary, they get pretty ordinary. Joseph forgot to book a hotel. <laughs> I'm sure Mary told him that that was pretty ordinary. 
there was no room for them in the inn or uh, depending on our understanding of that in the part of the house where people slept so they get to sleep in the part with where the animals slept and so Mary gives birth amongst the animals I'm sure she thought that was pretty ordinary And so Joseph and Mary knew that there was something more than the ordinary, but no one else does. And so Jesus' birth to everybody's eyes was ordinary. It was humble. It was normal. I doubt many of us were born in a stable or laid in a manger, but in so many ways it was just like you and me. And that is exactly the point. The point is that Jesus lived, was born into the ordinary, just like you and me. We had uh, scripture in the primary schools um, a couple of weeks ago and and I got to do the bit um, about Jesus' childhood because we're talking about his birth and Christmas and and I I got to speak about Jesus' childhood and and um, the way I did it was, was kind of pretending that there must be pages missing from my Bible's Bible because it doesn't really talk about it. My, my Bible's missing that bit. And, but the idea is that, well, we don't know much about Jesus' childhood apart from um, he, he was a refugee in Egypt. Um, he, as an early teenager, went to the temple and thought, well, this is the house of my father, I'm going to stay here. Um, but apart from those few incidents, we don't know much about it because there wasn't much to write about. It was ordinary. Just like you and me. And that is exactly the point. It was ordinary. But it was also glorious. It was also the fullness of God's glory on display. And so Mary and Joseph knew that there was something more to this. Not just through the conception of of Jesus through supernatural means, but but also because they had seen angels. And I don't know about you, and I'd love to see Gabriel. I'd love to see the angels with with my physical eyes, but I've not done that. And so that's a pretty profound experience. And so they knew that there was something more than the ordinary about Jesus. But then the birth was ordinary. But, but then if we read on from this ordinary verses 1 to 7 in chapter 2, we see the glory in this story. In Luke 2, 8 to 11, it says, And there were shepherds living out, sorry, yeah, shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An ordinary evening of shepherding. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to them, And the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And so these shepherds, having 
an ordinary evening, going about their job, expecting it to be normal and mundane, just like any other day. Or maybe it was they were having a pretty ordinary day. And then an angel appears and the glory of the Lord shines all around. And they're told that today in the town of David, that's where the kings come from, a saviour has been born, but not just a saviour. This is the Messiah. This is the one that all of God's people have been waiting for hundreds and hundreds of years for. But not just the Messiah, the Lord. So this, this already, this announcement from the angels goes beyond what their expectations, even those that were hoping and expecting for a Messiah to come, they weren't expecting it to be the Lord himself. And so they're saying this angel to these shepherds, not just that something glorious from the Lord has shown up in your existence, but the glory of the Lord himself has been born. And then it goes on says, this will be a sign to you. This is, this is how you're going to know that what you're looking at is the glory of Yahweh, the creator of all things. This is how you're going to know. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. That's the most ordinary sign you could possibly come up with. I mean, babies are beautiful. And when you look at them, you see something of God's glory. And you think, you know, I, I know when I look at a baby, I just think, how could you say there is no God? But I, I've never looked at a baby and thought, I think that might be God. <laughs> but that's the sign these angels give. They don't say, this isn't like the wise men, these angels haven't gotten a star to show them the way. There's no special sign or symbol that the angels say to them, you will find something very ordinary. A baby wrapped up in a makeshift cot. That is the sign to you that the glorious Lord himself has been born into creation. Something very ordinary contains the fullness of glory. And just in case they were feeling a little bit let down, they're feeling like, oh, just a baby? It's kind of hoping, you know, for a 40-foot warrior with a sword or something like that, you know, just <laughs> it's kind of what I pictured God to look like. And a baby, okay? And after they tell them what the sign will be, he says, Then suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those whom his favor rests. And so we have the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, himself, Jesus Christ, Very ordinary, wrapped in cloth, lying in a food trough. But just outside of Bethlehem, it's like the father has to tell someone what this really is over there in the ordinary. And so a whole company of angels 
worships a baby. See, in that situation, it's actually the angels that would, would look more worthy of worship. They're the ones that, that light up the whole valley with their radiant glory. They're, they're the ones that look like in that situation should be being worshipped. We see in the book of Revelation, the Apostle John, the, the disciple that Jesus loved, who's so intimate in his relationship with Jesus, but in his encounter with an angel, the angel is so spectacular, he goes to bow down and worship it, and the angel says, hey, don't do that. I'm not Jesus. And so these angels would have looked worthy of worship, but it's the glorious, radiant, splendorous host of angels who are praising Glory to God in the highest. They're praising this ordinary looking baby. So it takes heavenly eyes to really see the glory in the ordinary. In John 1.14, writing about this event... Um, John doesn't, himself doesn't give us an account of the actual birth of Jesus, but he talks about it in John 1 and in John 1.14. He says, the Word, having uh, just spent the early part of this chapter talking about who the Word is, and he describes the Word as he who was with God and was God, was equal with God in the beginning. And so the Word isn't just the Word, this is the Logos, this is the, the, the one who is at the centre of all things, John says, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And He says, we have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so in the midst of this ordinary, this is God's glory. This is the pre-existent eternal Word of God manifest in flesh. In uh, Colossians 2 verses 9 and 10 it says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you've been brought to fullness. He's the head over every power and authority. And so Colossians, we might think that Paul in Colossians is, is just writing about, or Jesus kind of got topped up over his life and so he reached a point where, okay, we can now call him fully God, but, but that's not what the scripture says. That's not what God's word says. God's word says this baby in a manger who couldn't possibly look more ordinary is in fact the one in whom all the fullness of the deity, the one and only God dwells in bodily form. The birth of Jesus is the divine glory of heaven entering into our ordinary. It is the word became flesh. It's the supernatural entering into the natural. It's the transcendent made imminent its glory into the ordinary. It's God's glory into your ordinary. And so this Christmas I want to encourage us as we uh, celebrate as we fill our bellies with good food and as we sing carols and as we uh, share time with friends and family, 
uh, as we go to work and, and, you know, some of us get extra time off um, through Christmas and New Year, but some of us have got to work through and, 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 and just keep going with the ordinary. As we journey through this season and, in fact, beyond this season, because, you know, it's not just at Christmas time we should be celebrating that Jesus came into the world, but I, I want to encourage you to look for, to see glory in the ordinary. In those things in your life that are normal and mundane. I pray and I encourage you to open your eyes to see God's glory in that ordinary. In the things that are a bit ordinary, in the, in the things that are, that are not so good, that are not going so well, that may be irritating or uncomfortable. I, I want to encourage you to see God's glory in that place as well. To look for it. To seek it out. If you can't see it, ask God, what, what are you doing that's glorious right here? Or, or where can I see your glory in spite of the bit ordinary? And even in the things that are pretty ordinary, in the things that are, are definitely not how you want them to be, that are painful, that are uncomfortable, whether it's sickness or whether it's just driving a long way because that's where your family live or, or whatever it is for you right now in this season that might be pretty ordinary. I want to encourage you to look for God's glory right there because the truth is and it takes human minds a little bit to understand that that this baby in this nativity scene represents a child a baby who in the in the scriptures we're told is the fullness of god that that might be a bit of a stretch for us to understand but hopefully we get it but but i want to tell us this morning that christ is as present in the ordinary of your life as he was in the manger. We know this. We know that he's promised to be with us always until the end of the age, but that's not just a happy line for him to say, you know, because he was leaving. Christ is at pres- as present in the ordinary, the bit ordinary, the pretty ordinary of your life as he was in the manger. He is as present by his spirit in your life as he was on the cross. He is as present and living in your life as he was on the day of the resurrection. We sang that song this morning, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We, we sang and declared that there's nothing worth more than his presence. That's true. And so I want to encourage you to look for it. To see God's glory in your ordinary. But I also want to encourage you to glory in the ordinary. See, glory is not just a noun which describes something. Like Luke said in chapter 2, that the glory of the Lord shone all around. It was something they could see. Glory is also a verb, perhaps not often used as such uh, in uh, colloquial language today, but glory is also a verb. Glory, to glory is to exalt, to rejoice, to worship. 
The Greek word uh, that we get translated glory here is doxa, which is where we get the word doxology from, which is an act of praise. And so I want to encourage us in this season not just to sing carols and be like, oh, you know, away in a manger, no room for a What time is it? Check the program, honey. How many carols are left before we can get the kids home to bed? Carols are great. I mean, some of them are great. I will confess here this morning, I've got no idea what good King Wentz and Celestialis has to do with Christmas. <laughs> I don't get the story. I've tried to keep up with it each year that we've sung it at the carols. I'm like, I just don't get it. Um, but I'm of a simple mind. So, I encourage you to glory, to worship. Use the carols. Come to church and sing songs, put on worship music, do whatever glorying in God looks like for you and it's not all just about music, of course. Celebrate the glory of God in the midst of the ordinary. In our house, we love to, we've got this little Bluetooth speaker um, that pumps out a, a good amount of sound and, and certainly worship music's not the only uh, music we listen to, but, but we do love just to put worship music on when doing some basic chores. To take the ordinary and make it a time of just glory, worshipping. The chores are still chores. I've not experienced yet the toilet just miraculously cleaning itself in worship. (laughs) But it's still an opportunity to worship in the midst of the ordinary. Uh, We can see a picture of this in uh, jumping to Matthew's Gospel, to Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, and and, and, uh, Jesus is most likely no longer a baby at this point. He's probably a toddler, um, which if you've ever had toddlers, that's probably even more ordinary. Um, That's when they start, yep, 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 and running away, and you can't just put them somewhere and they stay there. um, But we're told this story of these magi from the east who have journeyed a long way because they did see a star. They, they, in their understanding of astrology and in their understanding that had some interaction um, through the exile with with the Jewish scriptures and um, all of that added together, they saw this star and thought, there's been a king born in Bethlehem. Something a little bit extraordinary has happened. And so they followed the star and we we know they went, um, they obviously lost track of the star or or it disappeared because they went to King Herod and said, do you know where the king has been born? And uh, he consulted the scholars and he sent them off on the way to Bethlehem. He had some pretty negative uh, motives in uh, his involvement in the process, but that's another story. Um, And then the star reappears and they find themselves coming to Bethlehem. And it says this in Matthew 2.11. It says, I'm coming to the house. We've got a house now. It's an upgrade. They saw the child with his mother Mary. Something ordinary. A child with his mother. Something that would have not been the only opportunity to see that in Bethlehem. Where they came from back east, probably from the Babylonian region, 
They could have seen plenty of mothers with child. But when they encountered this thing that looked ordinary, this child that looked ordinary, it says they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. Not the average peasant child's Christmas present, if you excuse the anachronistic reference of that. And so they saw what looked ordinary, but they knew that what they were encountering was extraordinary. They saw what looked ordinary, but but they chose to see the glory in this child. And so they bowed down and worshipped. And so I want to encourage you this Christmas, in the midst of the ordinary, seek out God's glory. Look for God's glory. See what is glorious about God in this moment. Look to see what God is doing and um, open our, ask Him to open your eyes to see the glorious things that we look over every day that are just representations and manifestations of how good He really is. But I also want to encourage you to, to not let this season be a distraction from glorying, glorifying, worshipping in the midst of the ordinary. Don't let the normal or the mundane be a reason not to worship. In fact, let that be your reason for worship. Don't let the bit ordinary, things that are not going so well, be a reason to not worship. Choose to glory, whatever that looks like for you. Whether it's worship music or just just turning your attention towards God or whatever. Let the bit ordinary be a reason to choose to glorify God. And especially in the pretty ordinary. And and my heart goes to those who, for whatever reason, this season of Christmas this year will be a one of pretty ordinary. But in that space, I really encourage you to choose to glory in the pretty ordinary. To not let whatever that thing is, that pretty ordinary thing be a reason not to worship God and so we're going to do that right now we're going to praise God Almighty who came in flesh in the most ordinary of ways just like us so that we might be restored to God's glory so that we might see his glory. And so, Heavenly Father, we thank you as we turn our attention towards um, the celebration season. A season, Father, in which we celebrate family, we celebrate friends, we celebrate the opportunity to give and receive. But above all else, as should be true of every day, we celebrate that we have a Savior. We have a Messiah. We celebrate that the Lord Himself has come in bodily form.
so that we might be not just saved, but restored to your glory. And so, Father, I pray for us here and those uh, listening to this message. I pray, Father, that in the ordinary, you would enable us to see the glory. Father, I pray that in the ordinary, you would enable us to see your glory. I pray that we would become more aware of the Holy Spirit's presence in our life. I pray that as we go about our jobs, as we go about our roles as mums and dads, as students, as employees of whatever it is that we do in our ordinary life, Father, I pray that we would be enabled to see your manifest glory. And Father, I pray in this season especially that we wouldn't be distracted, but rather than that, you'd put such a burning desire on our heart to glory, to worship, to praise, to celebrate, to exalt the name of Jesus. even in the midst of the ordinary. And so I pray this in his almighty name, the one in whom the fullness, the glorious fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. We pray in the name of Jesus. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.